Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. And the Lord said to me, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I chose you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations, and I answered, Oh, Lord God, I really do not know what to speak. I'm not well enough for that. I'm just a young child. And the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm just a child but go to whomever I send you and whatever I tell you do not be afraid of those whom I send you to for I will be with you to protect you says the Lord as many of you need to receive this word from the Lord right now over the call that's on your life right now do not be afraid and I am sending you forward, and I will take care of you and safeguard you. And then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I will most surely give you the words you need to speak for me. Know for certain, I hereby give you the authority. I give you authority. I give you the authority to announce unto nations and kingdoms that they will be uprooted and torn down and destroyed and demolished and rebuilt and firmly planted. What do you see, Jeremiah? What do you see right now? You, in this room, outside this room, what do you see?
illuminate our mind, illuminate our eyes, that we may behold the kingdom of heaven that is at hand now. Illuminate our mind, illuminate us, Lord, and let us see. Let us see you through all the distractions and the circumstances. Let us see through right now. Let us see through. What do you see? I see one highly exalted. I see the one. I see the one. And when I see you, I become like you, for I see you as you are. What do you see? Look beyond it all and see the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the one. I magnify you, Lord. I exalt you, Lord. I exalt you in this place. My eyes, my eyes are fixed on the one. Yes. I look up into the heaven from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Oh, my help comes from you, Lord. Whoa. Yes. Oh, praise the Lord with me and magnify the Lord. Lift up and exalt his name. Yes, yes. Yeah, there you go. Exalt the name of the Lord. I'll bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I lift you up. Oh, magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord.
So now, while I live, I will bless you, oh my God. And I lift to you my hands, filled with who I am and all my hopes and dreams. Spirit and truth. Mm. Mm. 
I'm going to give you a reference point out of what the Spirit of the Word is saying to me so that we can understand the atmosphere that we're in. Uh, as you know, earlier I was bringing out Jeremiah 1 in the calling of the Lord um, in the vision confirming uh, Jeremiah's call and commission in verse 11 of Jeremiah 1. Later the Lord asked me, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I answered, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said, you have observed correctly this means I'm watching to make sure my threats are carried out um, and then the Lord asked me again what do you see and I answered I see a pot of boiling water it's tipped toward us from the north and then the Lord said uh, this means that destruction will break out from the north on all who live in the land uh, for I'll soon summon all the peoples of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord, and they will come and their kings will set up their thrones near the entrance of the gate of Jerusalem. Uh, they're going to attack all the walls surrounding it and all the towns in Judah. In this way, I'll pass sentence on the people of Jerusalem and Judah because of all the wickedness because there's been a rejection of me and an offering of sacrifices to other gods worshiping what has been made with their own hands. And he says, but you, Jeremiah, get yourself ready. Uh, the passage here says to uh, gird up your loins. You know, we can't design these events the way the Lord has designed them and set them up. And so we're in the middle of it. Uh, the, the prophetic word of the Lord came out in the last event we were in last week. I had two different people make a reference to, you remember when the king strikes the ground uh, three times? Uh, remember this passage? If somebody looked that up, Janie, do you know where that's at in the text? Second Kings what? Uh, so we're in the middle of in the middle of this and we will uh, deploy against our enemy and hey it's okay you know it's, we're the ecclesia and so um, okay 2nd Kings 13 18 this was a prophetic word that came out last week Elisha said take the arrows and he did so he told the king of Israel, strike the ground. He struck the ground there three times and he stopped. And the prophet got angry at him and said, if you had struck the ground five or six times, you would have annihilated Syria. Now, you have to understand what Syria means, and I've shared this before, but the Syrian says in his heart, he's God of the mountain, but not of the valley. The war the war, the war that's in the spirit is that the church that has went on the line, the, out, the, uh, the remnant church of God will not see the release from heaven to earth. And Syria is saying, you're not, we're going to tie up the release of, the, of, of heaven into the earthly realm because, yeah, he's God of the mountain, but not of the valley of my life. The war that's on and this end time move of God is that God is not just transcendent, he is imminent. And that we can't just serve a transcendent God, but an imminent one. I mean that what is in the heavens must come down to the earth. 
And what is the government of God in the heavens must be displayed in the vineyard of the Lord. And that is the war. And it's been a war that's been on and people have given up and they've turned back and they've went back to doing life and business as usual because of situations that come on the church like this. This kind of pressure comes on us to tell us that there's a different storyline than the storyline from heaven and to get us convinced that the storyline that he's speaking to us is not the one that's going to manifest itself in the natural. And we uh, cannot stand for that. There's been too much of that, and so many people have given up hope, especially the remnant, and have turned back, back to a lack of hope and a lack, and turned back away from the Lord, and have backed off because they didn't see the demonstration of the Lord. And I think that many times I've experienced this. You go up one time, you go up two times, you go up three times. He said the prophet of the Lord became angry with them because why? He should have went up five or six. I remember like Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember what he said to his guys? And hey, I feel it this morning. You might feel it too. Hey, can't you be with me one more hour? Can't you sustain prayer in the middle of it? No, we came to church because we want to get something. No, no, it's time to give something to our king. Okay, let's receive, yes. Let's receive the love of the Father, yes. Okay, fine. You're not in this room just for that. You're in this room to mobilize and to say, I'm not going to stand for a lack of the release of heaven to earth in my city. There's an awakening on us. The Lord has spoke to us. He'll release by the Spirit. Yes, yes, yes. So, so you get the paradigm here. Strike the ground five or six times. Hey, we can't back off. You know, it's not just about intimacy. It's about decoration of the kingdom. Yeah. Yes. Now that we understand. Now, I believe that the Lord does this on purpose. He comes to Jeremiah and he says, look, he, go, he does this to Daniel at the age of 84 and Daniel's believing for the release of the Lord in his generation. And Daniel gets a revelation of the man Jesus Christ in Daniel 10. Daniel falls down on the ground. He said, all my comeliness fled from me. All my strength went out of my being when the man Jesus came into his midst. When he puts his hand on Daniel and he says, man, the man greatly loved of the Lord, get up on your knees. Get up on all fours. Get up on your knees and stand up ones. Greatly loved of the Father. He does this to Jeremiah. And he does it to us in the end time church. Get up. Well, I've had a revelation of the Lord and it's made me realize my own human weakness, my own inability to do anything for you. Yeah, because why? Because this isn't going to be a work that is done off of what man can do, but only what the Lord can do. But in the midst of what only the Lord can do, 
I'm decreeing and saying from the Lord, stand up. Oh, you greatly loved of the Lord. Everything's trying to pull you back into another reality. And yet God has another one over your life. Yes, I called you and commissioned you. Hey, listen, you're not going to be able to go back in the comfort of what you have known in the past. You must, you must possess the kingdom of heaven now. We can't go back into comfort and pleasure from the past. It's over. We've already went too far. Yeah. Stand up, you greatly loved of the Father. I'm not going to stand for it, and you're not going to stand for it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Though my enemy deploys against me one way, he shall flee seven. Yes, Standing on promises now Walking in faith on the words Of his mouth We've been in this desert too long Let's take a chance and be strong. Walk on. Let's enter the promised land. I didn't come into this wilderness for nothing we can take these giants we've got the word of the Lord nothing can take us down no giants 
can keep us down. It's our promised land. There's something better out there. We're on the verge of a great outpouring. And let's err on the side of faith. Trust only in his ways, and we will find and if we walk out of this wilderness and right now and not looking back. There's a promise we can take these giants. We've got the word of the Lord, and nothing can take us down no giants can keep us down it's our promised land
Joel chapter 2, verse 18, then the Lord became zealous for his land, and he had compassion on his people. And the Lord responded to his people, look, I'm about to restore your grain as well as fresh wine and fresh oil, and you will be fully satisfied. I will never again make you an object of mockery among the nations. I will remove the one from the north far from you and I will drive him out of to a dry and desolate place those in front of you will be driven eastward into the Dead Sea and those in back westward into the Mediterranean Sea his stench will rise up as a foul smell indeed the Lord has accomplished great things do not fear my land but rejoice and be glad because the Lord has accomplished great things do not fear wild animals, for the pastures of the wilderness are again green with grass. Indeed, the trees bear their fruit, and the fig tree and the vine field to their fullest. Citizens of Zion, rejoice. Be glad because of what the Lord your God has done. For he has given to you the early rains as vindication and he has sent to you the rains both the early and the latter rain as formerly the threshing floors are full of grain the vats overflow with fresh wine and olive oil i will make up the years that the locust consumed your crops Even my great army that I sent against you. You will have plenty to eat and your hunger will be fully satisfied. You will praise the name of the Lord your God who has acted wondrously in your behalf. My people will never be put to shame again. You will be convinced that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. And there is no other God. 
And my people will never again be put to shame. I believe you, Lord. It's your testimony, Lord. I place all my hope in you.
There's more, more, more of the of us than there are of them. Mm. of entertaining angels unaware. May I summon you, heavenly host.
warriors. We are in a war. Stand to your feet and engage. I see angels waiting to be dispatched, waiting to be given orders. That is our job. Stand to your feet and fight. Look and see in the spirit. See what the battle is for you personally. What is there to engage? What are you to, to pray and to declare? Fight through the hindrances, the inhibitions. This battle is against the principalities, the powers. So Father, we say, send your angels. Angels, go. Go to the altars of Baal, to the altars of abortion in this land. Tear them down. We decree the tearing down of everything that is ungodly, that is, that has exalted itself against the Lord. Angels, go and establish righteousness. Build up righteousness. In Jesus' name. Mark chapter 13, verse 24, but in those days after the suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the heavens and the power in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man arriving in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and they will gather his elect. From the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Learn the parable of the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also you, when you see these things happening, know that he is near. He's right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. And he said to me, my day is coming, and I long for this hour. I long for the hour to gather the elect from the four corners of the earth. I'll have a garden of Eden on the earth. And I've assigned you to this dispatch. Do you see me? Do you see me on the cloud? I've given you the authority. 
You have the authority now. Oh, yes, Lord. I just confess this morning a limited scope and vision. He said to me, this is one of the most priceless things to him. The gathering in of the elect of the four corners of the earth. And he said, I, I, I declare to you, son, that the authority is in this house. I mean, we, you know, I'm like thinking Asheville, like... Let's take a city for Christ. I'm thinking, God says, I've installed a government on the earth to connect to the vineyard. No, I'm, he's telling me no. Yes. Yes, but a vineyard that is a global vineyard of elect. This is the pressure that we experience. Okay, so what? You think that the Lord couldn't raise up Ecclesia out of one little house in the middle of western North Carolina and ascend us up into the heavens to agree with him on the earth for the global inbreaking of the work of the Lord? Let it be so. Let it be so that he found a people, a remnant, who could take heat. He's reminding me, you know, out of that Ezekiel passage in the sides of the north, I don't know what I'm talking about. But you know how Lucifer had said he would exalt himself? Yeah, but what happens when a people are completely given over to them and there's nothing left in them that's like our enemy? I mean, what could happen? I was taken up into the circle of the earth, and I see it on this very circle of the earth. And I've longed for this, says the Father, the gathering in of the family of the Lord, the family that he purchased. And I believe you, Father. You're my father. You're mine. 
Now I am yours. I just need someone to agree with me. Oh, come on. Yeah. Let your two come. Yes, I in the mic, we are in the kai in the mayana. Chariara kasi in the mayana kariana. Amen. Let's, um, let's go into Daniel 7, and let's just take this right now and just go right into this. And In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream filled with visions while he was lying on his bed. And then he wrote, he wrote down the dream in a summary fashion. Daniel explained, I was watching in my vision during the night as the four winds of the sky were stirring up the great sea. Then four large beasts came up from the sea and they were different from one another. The first one was like a lion with eagle's wings and as I watched, its wings were pulled off and it was lifted up from the ground. It was made to stand on two feet like a human being and a human mind was given to it. 
And then a second beast appeared like a bear, and it was raised up on one side. And there were three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and devour much flesh. After these things, as I was watching, another beast like a leopard appeared. With four bird-like wings on its back, the beast had four heads, and ruling authority was given to it. And after these things, as I was watching in the night visions, a fourth beast appeared, one dreadful, terrible, and very strong, and it had two large rows of iron teeth. It devoured and crushed, and anything that was left, it trampled with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that came before it, and it had ten horns. And as I was contemplating the horns, another horn, a small one, it came up between them, and three of the former horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. This horn had eyes resembling human eyes and a mouth speaking arrogant things. And while I was watching, thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His attire was white like snow. The hair of his head was like lamb's wool. His throne was ablaze with fire, and its wheels were all aflame. A river of fire was streaming forth and proceeding from his presence. And many thousands were ministering to him. Many ten thousands stood ready to serve him. And the court convened, and the books were opened. I kept on watching because of the arrogant words of the horn that was speaking. And I was watching until the beast was killed and its body destroyed and thrown into a flaming fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their ruling authority had been removed. And though they were permitted to go on living for a time and a season, I was watching in the night visions. And with the clouds of the sky, one like a son of man was approaching. He went up to the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. To him was giving ruling authority, honor, and sovereignty. All peoples, nations, and language groups were serving him. His authority is eternal and will not pass away. His kingdom will not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed with the visions of my mind. They were alarming me. I approached one of those standing nearby and asked him about the meaning of all this. So he spoke with me and revealed to me the interpretation of the vision. These large beasts, which are four in number, represent four kings who will arise in the earth. The holy ones of the Most High will receive the kingdom, and they will take possession of the kingdom forever and ever. I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from the others. It was very dreadful. Two rows of iron teeth, bronze claws, devoured, crushed, and trampled anything that was left in its feet. Also wanted to know the meaning of the ten horns on its head. Of the other horn which came up before which the other three fell. This was the horn that had eyes and a mouth speaking arrogant things whose appearance was more formidable than the others. While I was watching, that horn began to wage war against the holy ones and was defeating them until the Ancient of Days arrived and judgment was rendered in favor of the Holy Ones of the Most High. Then the time came for the Holy Ones to take possession of the kingdom. This is what he told me. The fourth beast means there will be a fourth kingdom on earth that will differ from all other kingdoms 
and it will devour all the earth and will trample and crush it. The ten horns mean that ten kings will arise from that kingdom. Another king will arise after them. He'll be different than the earlier ones. He will humiliate the three kings. He'll speak words against the Most High. He'll harass the holy ones of the Most High continually. His intention will be to change times established by law. They will be delivered into his hand from a time, times, and half a time. But the court will convene, and his ruling authority will be removed, destroyed, and abolished forever. Then the kingdom, the authority, and the greatness of kingdoms under all of heaven will be delivered to the people of the holy ones of the Most High. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. All authorities will serve him and obey him. This is the conclusion of the matter. And as for me, Daniel, my thoughts troubled me greatly, and the color drained from my face. But I kept this matter to myself. Amen. <laughs> Try preaching that one. <laughs> yes. Oh, Lord, I just pray this morning you would assist in this message. I just ask you for your grace, your unction, to be able to say what you're saying presently now in the context of this congregation. In your name I pray, amen. I, I've got to say, wow, that was intense. And, and you know, I'm, I'm in the custom mostly of, of giving a message, you know, from the Lord, a revelation from him, uh, usually prepped for sometimes, or not prepped for, obviously not prepped for this morning about what we're going to face. But I'm going to do my best right now to give us a context uh, I do this during the week. Uh, Stephen and I will meet, and I'll, I'll debrief the event. But I think the Lord is telling me it's necessary for you to debrief even what is occurring in our midst. And Lord, be with me in my mouth to be able to even work this out in our community and say this out loud because it's a, a, a highly complex understanding related to uh, our subject matter that, was, that we were engaged with today. When we began in worship, the Lord said to me, I want you to go to Jeremiah 1. And he fixes my eyes into this passage here, first of all, for us. And, you know, in 2 Peter 1, it is very clear that you would make your calling and election sure. One of the things that really tries to erode when you're getting into kind of the complexity of prophetic warfare and worship that we're in is the diminishment of God the Father's predilection towards you as his son and daughter. That he predetermined to elect you from the, even before, I believe even before creation, and selected you to be his own. Because our enemy, what he wants to do is rob you of that foundation of your calling and your election. That you were predetermined by him for him to go back to him. That is the foundation upon which I believe, and Peter did too, that without that foundation firmly planted in you, uh, when our enemy comes in like a flood, he will assault against that. He will assault you and try to tell you things about the past or the future. He'll try to set up uh, something 
to get you destabilized to look at yourself or to look at someone else instead of making your calling and election sure. But in the calling and election of the Father that Jesus said, even in John 13, he said, knowing that he came from God and that he was going back to God, he girded himself in weakness, he washed his disciples' feet, that he had the mindset of a servant even as a king because he knew his election, he knew predestination in the sense that he knew he was predestined and elected. He came from him, and he's going back to him. Um, our enemy, where he assaults the most, is on that. He wants to convince you and I, or he'll use whatever, circumstantially, primarily. If your father really cared about you, why would you be in this situation, right? Has anybody ever heard that or thought through that? Or to get you into a fence and to get you to turn against the Lord because if he put me out in the middle of this boat, why am I about to drown, right? I mean, it's going to capsize on me, and you're the one who said, go to the other side. So the stabilization of the human soul is paramount. You're invited in this room by the Holy Spirit because he sees a quality in you already that today, I mean, he thinned us out probably purposefully, but today that you could handle this kind of thing because it will run most people completely out. Uh, I, I tell you, because it's a pressure. And it's like, oh, I didn't come to church for that. It's a pressure uh, that is coming on this end-time move, and you actually, you want this. You actually do. You want to be, you want to come in the middle of a pressure like today and be found faithful. I was up here, I was thinking, you must say, whatever. I'll thank you and praise you, you put it on me, Whatever. I want to be the kind of man you want to be, man or woman, that stands in the face of all kinds of pressure and say, I've got my eyes on the Lord. And I know that he called me, and I know he's commissioned me for something. And I wasn't just put into this earth for no reason. And I'm his. And I don't care what my circumstances say and whatever. And I don't care, you know, what we have to do to get to the Whatever. My eyes are fixed on the king. And this is so fundamentally necessary, especially as the days grow darker in our midst, and they will. And as we grow in greater light and the transmission of the light of the glory of God is manifesting himself through us. You can thank the Lord when he says, I'm going to put an examination on you that's real time like he did today. And this isn't just an exam. I'm, I'm going to tell you this is reality. And I looked over at Stephen, I said, oh, man. I said, I had no idea. I've limited things down. I'm, I'm like in a scope of God has designed a Melchizedek order, and he's going to connect it now to the vineyard. Having no idea that going to be this morning popped up on the circle of the earth with him saying, command authority, from command authority, give command to my angelic host, begin the reaping and uh, bringing in of the elect on a global scale. Yes? It's time. Yeah, who said that? It's time. Hey, it's time to quit talking about what should be and live in the reality of what is. It's time that your and my Christianity and our life before God matches our testimony, matches exactly the position upon which we are seated with him now. 
Is that I'm not going to prophesy to you today from what is to come, but only what is happening, present tense, now, out of the heavens, right now. That's your debrief. I'm military. We did pre-brief, and then we went and flew. I flew, and then we did a debrief. Well, you're just going to get it all right now. We'll run a debrief on it. Because you need, I'm sure you need to be encouraged. It's not like the easiest thing to go through. And I bet a lot of you have words from the Lord. But let's look at this out of Jeremiah 1 in, uh, in our debrief. Again, Second Peter 1, make sure you're calling election. Sure, uh, Jeremiah, look, hey, I'm just a little child. Fine, don't say that in that sense. We're embracing our humility and vulnerability before him. Uh, yes, and then he's saying here, Jeremiah, I want to move you from what you hear into what you see. And I want to tell you this week, he's really poignant with me about this. Uh, a lot of people hear, they're hearing my voice but, or hearing the gospel, but I want them to see the kingdom. And Jeremiah has to process out of just hearing, which is primarily what you do when you come here, into seeing. He needs to make a transition because... Um, you know, he said this to me, and I, hopefully it's not offensive to people, but he said, sheep hear, but kings and queens see. And God's called you to a royal family. And so we're not just in the mode of sound, but in the mode also of light. And Jeremiah is having to say, okay, you know, my calling and election, sure. I, my calling and my commission is sure. I, I know who I am. This isn't an identity issue for us today. It can't be. Listen, I, I get it. I get the identity issue. I've dealt with it for years. It's tough. But you're just going to have to believe what God says about you. Amen. You need to just like, you need to just say, well, I don't care all this stuff. Yeah, it's happening. But I'm just going to just stand on my call and my commission and let the chips fall whatever way they do. Because I have, I'm on commission to do something. And that's to see what do you see, you know. And he says this to him, he says, what do you see? And he answered, I see this pot of boiling water. It's tipped toward us from the north. Now, I have no context for this. I, I'll admit, some of you may. I, I was asking the Lord. He said, no, something's coming down on y'all from the north. And um, the only context I have for this, I, I believe, and maybe y'all can help here, because um, is it Ezekiel? In the sides of the north, is it chapter 28? Okay, let's look at this because this is going to be uh, the best I can do. You know, the word says be instant, in season and out of season. <laughs> it's like you better know your Bible backwards and forwards. I don't know if it's 28 or not. I don't know if what I'm referencing is. I'm not saying it's not. I just need a location. Isaiah 14. It is speaking of Ezekiel 28, which is, uh, that's another complex topic, but um, it's Isaiah 14, and Ezekiel 28 will reference that. 14, 13, thank you, Janie. Okay. Let's just start with verse 1, we'll move down. And the Lord will certainly have compassion on Jacob. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> right. And he will again, he will again choose Israel. Uh, as his special people. Again, calling an election. Boom. Right there off the start. And restore them to their land. You hear it? It's a promise of complete restoration for us. Hey, listen. It's already done. 
The Lord's promised it. It's going to happen. I'm going to choose you. I'm going to have compassion on you. I'm going to choose you, and I'm going to restore you to your land. Okay, let's be done with that. (laughs) You see what I mean? It's like if the Lord says it, let's just be done with it because I think we get all wrapped up in that. Did he choose me? Does he like me? Is he going to be my friend? Uh, What about my property? What about my estate? Whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. Now, this is what he says. I'm going to have compassion on you, Jacob. I know I sound pretty tough right now, but I'm preaching to myself. So just hear me out. I'm going to have compassion on you. I love you. I'm going to. I've chosen you, Israel. I've chosen you, and I've named you. And uh, look, I'm going to restore you to your land. Done. Done. It's done. Just take it and... Let's stop all that. People spend so much time with that. I wonder if he cares about me. No, he's going to have compassion. He has compassion on me. I wonder if he's going to uh, take care of my needs. Uh, No, I'm going to restore you to your land. It's done. So let's just finish that and let's get on to business. I'll restore you to your land. Now resident foreigners will join them and unite with the family of Jacob. And nations will take them and bring them back to their own place. Hey, you're going, you're going home. The family of Jacob will make foreigners their servants, and they'll settle in the Lord's land. Hey, you're going to have people that are going to uh, come alongside you and help you with things that, that need to be helped with, that you don't have to do for yourself. Okay, I mean, it's right there. It's in the text. If the text says it, it's true. We hold to the text, right? So I don't need to concern myself with all these matters that the text says. So then the family of Jacob, okay, then it says, and they'll uh, make their captors captives and rule over the ones who oppress them. When the Lord gives you relief from your suffering and anxiety and from the hard labor which you were made to perform, you're even going to taunt the king of Babylon with these words. Look how the oppressor has met his end. Hostility has ceased. The Lord has broken the club of the wicked and the scepter of rulers. It furiously struck down nations with unceasing blows. It angrily ruled over nations, oppressing them without restraint. How do I say this? I've learned this as a believer. I have learned that how do I say this word? The reality of the kingdom and what I see is in fact reality, no matter what my circumstance tells me. Okay, now, because you, you know, that can't be true. No, that is the truth. And I have found this to be a fact, and I have watched it in my own family, that if I trust the reality of what I see in the kingdom of heaven, I will witness it manifest itself on the earth. I have seen this demonstrated time and time again in my own personal family. The Lord says, this is what I say about you. My circumstance doesn't tell me that. Which one are you going to believe? And I have found that if you will stand on whatever God says to you and you will say, I will not take another rendition of anything else but this, it will come into being every time. And this is so fundamentally important because if you see, you see like Lot did the plain, you'll get Sodom. But if you begin to see heaven and see the Lord, you'll get omnidirectional blessing in your life. 
everything's trying to get you back down into the minutia of life all the time and to tell you a different story than the one that the king is presenting to you. And you'll, we will never, ever possess the kingdom that way. He, he did not create it that way. Five loaves, two fishes. How are you going to feed 20,000 people? Because he saw his, what his father was saying. He manifests the kingdom instantly because he saw it. The Lord saw it and he brought it into reality. So identity is massive in this. Again, I'm repeating myself, calling an election. Yes, the reality of what he says about your life, this is what he's saying and this is what you must believe. You sort of got to put your foot down. Seems sort of demanding. I'm not going to stand for a life like that anymore. I'm a royal son and daughter. Okay? And this is what he's saying to me, and that's the way that it is. Period. Done. And I'm not going to have another rendition of this. He's great in compassion. He's great in his love towards me. He's great in love and goodness uh, towards me. And there's intrinsic value, why important. But yes, he wants to demonstrate into the natural of your life as well. Give these precious promise to you. If you, I'll tell you this because I've done it. If you go in the way of saying, well, I don't know if that can work out. It didn't work out in the past, so I'm going to just give myself back to that other lifestyle methodology. You will never see the demonstration of the kingdom come into being. I'm telling you of a fact because I've done it. And it's like... And I want to challenge you this morning. He told me to do this, and hopefully I can do this through this. So look how the oppressor has met his end. Look at it yourself. Look at the whole earth is quiet and breaking into song. <laughs> and he goes on to say, the, uh, the evergreens also rejoice over your demise, as do the cedars of Lebanon singing, since you fell asleep. No woodsman comes up to chop us down. Sheol below is stirred up about you, ready to meet you when you arrive. It rouses the spirits of the dead for you, all the former leaders of the earth. It makes all the former kings of the nations rise from their thrones. All of them respond to you saying, you too have become weak like us. You have become just like us. Your splendor has been brought down to Sheol as well as the sound of your stringed instruments. You lie on a bed of maggots. With a blanket of worms over you. Look how you've fallen from the sky. O shining one, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the ground, O conqueror of nations. You said to yourself, I'll climb up into the sky above the stars of El. And I will set up my throne. I will rule on the mountain of assembly in the remote slopes of uh, Zaphon. I climb to the uh, high places. I make myself like the most high. Who is he speaking of? Lucifer. Uh, this is the reference point that I have this morning to go back to Jeremiah 1. In one translation there, let me see which translation it says this. But uh, in verse 13, he says, um, And you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of assembly in the uttermost north. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will make myself like as unto the Most High. So, uh, uh, in, in the worship this morning, when, when we're in Jeremiah 1, he said, you know, I'm bringing down something from the north. And I, I'm sure this is open for our uh, corporate interpretation. And I know, this is a, I know what, what I'm doing here is a complex talk. Forgive me, but I, I'm going to do it. But the way that I understand this from the Lord is, like in Revelation 12, and you got to know your Bible well, but when the man-child is being called up to the throne and to his God, there's an interaction in the heavens uh, with the man-child and Michael the archangel and the casting down of the one out of the sides of the north being Lucifer down to the earth into the, uh, the first heavens. Uh, he was cast out of the third heavens because of, and because of his arrogance, uh, his envy, I believe, when God created man because he was the covering cherub, and I think he heard the Godhead talking about a being or a race, a, a people, that God would create in his own likeness and image, and I believe that he became jealous. He was sitting there saying, what other creature could be greater than me? And I have nine stones, which is in Ezekiel 28, and you're going to give them 12. <laughs> well, that's not fair. You know, that's not right. I, I have nine. I thought I was the greatest being you've ever created. Why would you give them 12? You know, <laughs> the jealousy and envy of him. And then I want to be exalted above even you, the one, the young created who created me. And so uh, this uh, jealous and envy comes into him. And, uh, of course, he's cast down. And I believe his wings molted, you know, while he was cast out. Now this beautiful creature is cast out of the third heaven into the second. Is mostly made his abode in, in within the second heavens. And it comes down, you know, sometimes it messes with men. And yet, um, and, it, and it desired to set up this place in the sides of the north. And so when we're in worship this morning, I believe as the end time remnant of God, the man-child company, is being called up to the throne and to his God and is seeing the man, Daniel 7, who's standing on the clouds. Now, I prophesy to you, you know, I speak from the Lord, so I can't tie and fill in all the places for us right now. But the one who is on the cloud, the cloud rider, the man, Jesus Christ, flying on his cloud, <laughs> that when we behold him and we see him as he is, and we begin to uh, partake of him, that in that way, this guy, Lucifer, who's been in the sides of the north and has tried to set up an abode of nations and structure whole nations to stand against the Lord and his, uh, against his kingdom, is coming down. He's not going to govern out of the second heaven. He's going to be thrown into the first. Why? Because you, the remnant of God, who's been made chaste and made ready for him, the bridegroom, and looking and becoming royal, decked out, prepared for him, that he can't sit in that seat anymore. And now, you know, he doesn't like that. And he's pretty mad. He's pretty ticked off about it. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> that pressure that you feel is real. That's not what we're experiencing this morning. That's not some kind of, that's the real deal. And, and we know it because we've been in events. And we, I didn't know the Lord was going to be like, well, today, 
February the 12th, 2023. It's time to knock a sucker out of the sides of the north. <laughs> you know, it's like, what kind of church meeting is this? No, I'm done with it. The Lord's done with it. He's just looking for a people that can, that can look only at him and be like him and, and have his whole nature. That know who they are. That are called and commissioned by him and, 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 and are like not playing games. And, and yeah, the enemy's tried to taunt you and play uh, games with your mind. He'll use the same tactics that he was. He'll use anger, uh, rage. He'll use jealousy, envy. He'll use whatever he can to come and attack your mind and get you out of order into just beholding this man. This man, Jesus. The one who rides on the clouds. And so uh, when we're going through worship, he's like, you know, this guy's coming down out of the north. This guy who's set himself up a place in the sides of the north. Now I'm going to send him down to the earth. You know, because he's going to embody a guy. Y'all know who that guy is? The Antichrist. It's on us. It's the big showdown of the ages. It's already won. It's a done deal. But just like with the Lord who learned obedience through the things he suffered, and just like us that are going through this, we're going to go through it with him. And we are going through it with him. He says here, he had said, I'll ascend to the heights of the clouds. I'll make myself like the most high. Listen, listen, remnant of the Lord. And I... I don't believe he can come down out of the sides of the north until the church, and I'm just going to say, I believe this happened today, has come up into the heights of the clouds with the one who is the cloud rider. That, that's what he said to me while I'm up here like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> Look at the cloud rider. Why? Because authority has to be above that which is lower. I mean, the reason the enemy's had so much on a, a lot of us is because we've been underneath him instead of him being underneath us. For him to be underneath us, he's going to have to, we're going to have to be up with the cloud rider, and he's underneath our feet. The one dressed in white, the one with the, the wool beard or hair, you know. There has to be a riding on the cloud ourselves. It's not circumstantial, you know. It's not based in the uh, mechanics of this world system and uh, the mechanics of even uh, the laws that operate at this level. I flew jet aircraft. There's a different set of laws that we had to fly in. And if you go above that into other atmospheres, there's completely different laws that have to be abided by uh, for propulsion. There's a set of laws that are up there and that we've been being brought up into the heavens ascending to heavenly places, to ride with him, you know, on chariots. Uh, today, and then, you know, we're going through this, and then I say, Lord, and he says, well, no, you know, take command and take authority. You know, take authority in the sense of, did I not send the angelic word apartment? Back in 2015, you know, I got to meet Stephen and I was worshiping the Lord over in Hendersonville. I got to meet, you know, Michael the Archangel. 
And I'm going to tell you, you know, you don't have to believe that. It's highly subjective. I understand. But if you ever hear the story on it, it's pretty profound. And you, because I, I meet him and he says, you know, we're at your command. And I said, who's where? And they go into a V formation. As far as my eyes could see behind Michael, I'm like this big. He's like that big. I'm looking up at him. He goes in this V formation. And I said, I'll have to get back to you on that because I had never heard you could command angels. And I thought I was seeing a lion vision. And while I was falling out of the second heaven, which I wasn't in the habit of doing, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm just a regular person, you know. And I'm falling out of the second heaven. Uh, the Lord says to me, Dell M. Sides. And Daisy, five years later, says, Pastor Carol, did you look into this? And I said, uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> like, you know, you'd think you should probably look into talking with Michael the Archangel, but I got caught up into all other kind of stuff that was going on. And uh, ended up meeting Dale Sides with Tom McManus uh, personally. And he had wrote a book called Angels in the Army. And he takes the uh, war scroll that, that came out of the Essenes. Out of, what is that called? Yeah, the Essenes uh, that all those documents were found. The Dead Sea Scrolls. And he had pulled out the war scroll and it gave uh, material for, and he shows it scripturally, how to command the <laughs> angelic host. And uh, I asked Dale when I met him, is your middle initial M? <laughs> and even though he had done it, I was like wanting to double check, you know, that the Holy Spirit, I'd heard him right. You know, because if the Lord says his name's Dale M. Sides, I don't care if he wrote a book, Angels in the Army or not, on how to command angels. If his middle initial wasn't M, then it's not of the Lord. <laughs> you know, because we have to have an objective proof of an unseen reality. I wanted it to be right. And it, and it, he said, the Lord said my name. I said, yeah, he said, your name. And he, he mobilizes for angelic warfare, and he's amazing, over in India. Godly men in his 70s. You can look him up on Liberating Ministries International or something, Christian International, LMCI. Um, phenomenal. Uh, Stephen was there with that meeting. It was, it was incredible. But uh, the point about that I was making was is it really confirmed to me this morning when the Lord's like, hey, engage the angelic. Now, let's just look at this so you can see it in the text because I, I, I've already referenced this in, uh, but in Revelation 12. If you have trouble with man-child, as it relates to Jesus versus an end-time man-child company, I would recommend to you that you read T. Austin Sparks on man-child. You can go in and um, like look up his material on this because I'm not going to do this this morning, but he gives like six proofs as to why he believes the man-child that spoke of here is not the Lord himself. And I think it's very good. And so I wanted to say that because a lot of people would say, no, he's speaking of the Lord. And it's a, this end time uh, company of people. And so let's just look at this for a minute and then we'll close uh, your debrief out. A great sign appeared in the heavens, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head was a crown of 12 stars and she was pregnant with screaming and labor pain, struggling to give birth. Another sign appeared in the heaven, a huge red, huge red dragon had seven heads and ten horns. And on its heads were seven diadem crowns. Now the dragon's tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and hurled them to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that she might devour her child as soon as it was born. 
So the woman gave birth to a son, a man-child, who was going to rule over all nations with an iron rod. Her child was suddenly caught up to God and to his throne. And she fled into the wilderness where a place was prepared for her by God so she could be taken care of for 1260 days. Then a war broke out in the heavens. I tell you of a truth, and I know this from the word, and I'm not going to tell you every inside thing, but this man-child company is here and has been intactly built by the Lord on the earth and has ascended up into the heavens. I know this from the Lord, this man-child company in your midst. I've waited for this for a decade. The Lord started to brief me early in the mornings, like 5 a.m., wake me up in the morning telling me this is coming. Okay. He said, I'll build it myself. All you got to do is look at me. And listen, it says a war broke out in the heavens. Sound vaguely familiar to this morning? And it says Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but the dragon was not strong enough to prevail. So there was no place left in heaven for him or his angels. So that huge dragon, that ancient serpent, the one called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world was thrown down to the earth. So he's went down from the third heaven to the second heaven, now being cast out of the second heaven into the first heaven. Now, I don't, I don't personally know, like, this war. I, we partook of some of the concept of war. Last week, we are up here worshiping the Lord. The Lord tells me, you're in the middle of a war. I go over there, I tell Stephen, Henry Todd sitting right here, he yells out, Pastor, war. And I knew that you can't do that. You, you know, he doesn't know what I'm saying to Stephen. It's a double proof of an unseen reality. We're in the midst of a war. What? I believe it's this one. I believe if I understand what the Holy Spirit's telling me this morning, you're in the middle of this war. And look at what happens in this war. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, right? And then it says, but the dragon was not strong enough to prevail. And there was no longer any place left in heaven for him and his angels. So, that, so it is, again, the huge dragon, the ancient serpent, which I've read, is thrown down to the earth, his angels along with him. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Stephen. They, they didn't say Stephen. <laughs> I did. <laughs> or maybe they did. Stephen, get up here. The salvation and his power and the kingdom of our God and the ruling authority of, our, of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses him day and night before our God has been thrown down. We want this war. Now, I'm enlisted military and officer military, you know, trained for this whole thing. I waited for this war my whole life. I'm ready. Let's get it on. Let's get this thing done with. Because we know that when this thing comes off, I've, I've you know, for years, like, no, we don't want the Antichrist to come on scene. I'm like, no, we, you do. No, no, don't vote that guy in. I was like, no, that guy will probably lead to this thing happening faster. Let's get it over with. 
you know, let's get our king back. Let's see to the restoration of all things. Let's, let's get this over with. Let's get, let's get the man Jesus Christ back down on the earth. Let's be done with the whole thing. What have we been doing? What are we kidding ourselves? I'm going to take care of you. I'm compassionate towards you. Know your calling and election, saints of the Lord. Know that he's going to restore you to the land, that it's already done. And let the war begin. Let it begin for the day that we even step foot back into the, to the old MVF building. Well, what was originally begun here will be completed. And the, the angel of breakthrough and the angel of the angelic host, uh, the war department of heaven, the Michael and all of them. Let's get it over with. It is. It, you know, I heard this this week. Paul said this. He said, I'm in pain and travail until Christ be formed in you. I feel it. That Christ would be formed in us. Do you see it in the text? You see this beauty? You see this beauty, the salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the ruling authority of his Christ? The one, the anointed one that would be formed in us. Christ be formed in you. And that Christ be formed in you that he can no longer sit in his seat of authority. Yeah, he would be have to be cast out. And I said, Lord, if he's cast down into the first heaven, man, it's really going to be on. And we're going to be under it. And will we be able to make it? He's going to come at us with a fuel, full fury. He's going to try to scatter the provision of the Lord and the flock of God and attack, attack. Whew. But will we be, are we ready? Yeah, we're ready. Christ be formed in you. A loyalty, a royalty to heart of God. Let's stand together. A royalty that's loyal. Oh, capstone of the Lord be formed in us. The stone that the builders rejected be formed in you. That you would be given over to no other but your king. The king royal, the king triumphant, the kingdom of God is upon us. Let that rascal go do whatever he's got to do. Because he has to before the Lord's going to come back. A purify an elect bride all over the earth. Oh, a purified sons and daughters. A purified people that will not break their gaze. Uh, Brad, it will not break their gaze uh, to the one. No, the one. The one. The one that's become the lover of our soul. This one. The cloud rider. The one triumphant. The one victorious. My king and my God. And I will not be broken. And I will not change my, my devotion to him. And even if hell was to come against me, and even if I was cast into it, I know that you're there. And even if I was in, up in the heavens, I know that you are there. And I'm thankful for this day. I'm thankful for this on the earth, that God is putting the government 
intact with the vineyard. And I tell you of a truth and mark the words that come out of my mouth that you will see the greatest display of the glory of the Lord as a royal family rises now. Royal family, a royal people completely given over to the one, the one, our King. Oh, Jesus, we magnify you in this house. I know you see us. And if you see us, we know that whatever petition we ask of you, that we have it. And we ask you that you would get this show on the road and deal with our enemy. And I don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and power that have exalted themselves against the name of the Lord. Oh, Oh, I ride on the clouds. Pray for your brothers and sisters. All in the nations, unite our family, Lord. Make us one, even as you're one. A holy elect people called and commissioned for you, Lord. Sing it. Open your mouth, open your mouth. Open your mouth, open your Can you hear me? There you go. I wanted to share something um, that the Lord took me into in worship just a little bit ago. It's actually a vision that I had several, maybe a year ago, but he took me back into it today. And it is our, it is the stature of our spirit man. And um, I, I felt like he wanted to show this to each one of us. If you're willing to just open your heart to to understand from him right now how tall and how strong is the spirit that he has put in you. Your spirit man is taller than your physical man. Um, and just allow that awareness into yourself right now um, as he speaks that over us. Sons and daughters, kings and queens. Um, and 
and you'll find that your that your awareness is rising higher and the problems and the issues are becoming smaller um, so just allow him to take you into that awareness and speak his name from your spirit man his name over the world his name Hashem speak his name from the stature that he's put inside you Uh, put your hand over your uh, right here. be formed in me I'm not going to retreat back listen I'm not going to retreat I'm not retreating back into a previous understanding of who I've been a guilt-laden past a shame-based future no Christ be formed in me I pray over you right now in the name of the Lord that Christ be fully formed in you. That the fullness, the fullness of the Lord, the fullness of everything he intended in your life will have come to fruition now. Christ be formed. Christ be formed in me. Released by your sovereign spirit, Lord. A tabernacling with us, Lord. Every sin and every weight that's easily beset us. Let us cast it off and run up into the heavens with the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Peace on top of peace. Shalom. Amen. the night 